Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. I want everybody for a moment, I want you to think of a major hurdle in your life, an obstacle, and something that you feel is impossible right now. Something that is a major health problem in your life, maybe a financial problem in your life, maybe it's a new home that you're looking for, a debt to be paid off, maybe it's a relationship that you want fixed, uh, something that is almost impossible. Maybe that person that you're thinking of is even passed away at the moment. Have you all got something in your head? You all got something in your mind? Well, I've got a verse for you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I want to tell you that God can solve your problem. He can take your impossible situation right now and he can turn it around. In fact, he can do so much more than you can't even think about it or imagine it. The Amplified says, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, and our imaginations. Isn't that amazing? So that verse says, now to him who is able. You might be saying, yes, Wayne, I know that God is able, but is he willing to do it for me? It's one thing knowing God can, but will he? I know he can. He's sovereign. He can do anything. He's God for Pete's sake. Okay? But will he do it for me? Well, this Bible that I've got here is full of stories. If I start right at the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's impossible. Because he just said it with his words and poof, it appeared. I'll carry on a little bit more. And God parted the Red Sea. Absolutely impossible to part the Red Sea. Then his children go through the wilderness and he starts to feed them with heavenly bread and with quail. Impossible. Then all of a sudden they're in a battle and he zaps the enemy with hailstones. They go into a, a, a fortified city to attack it and the walls come down. Impossible. A savior is born to the world in the New Testament over here. Blind eyes are opened, impossible. Deaf ears are opened, impossible. Walking on the water, impossible. Raise somebody from the dead, impossible. Go back up to heaven in the clouds, flying, impossible. He creates a heaven and a hell, impossible. He puts the Holy Spirit inside of us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside me, impossible. And he says he's coming back again on the clouds so that I can fly. Impossible. I'd like to submit to you that this book is a book full of impossibles. It is absolutely impossible. The greatest story ever told has to be Mary giving birth to Jesus. Not so. And an angel Gabriel comes to Mary and uh, says, hey, Mary, good news. You're going to have a baby. And she says, what? These are her words here. How can this be? I don't know a man. I've never slept with a man. Maybe you're in an impossible situation right now, and you're saying, 
I don't know anyone who can help me with my impossible situation. Mary said, let me, read, let me give you another translation. This is Wayne's translation. Mary said, it's impossible, you stupid idiot. I'm a virgin. Have you not read the story? The angel replies, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God is ever impossible of fulfillment. With God, the impossible is possible. And he wants to do it for you. This is an impossible series, what we want to share with you over the coming weeks. This is not an escapist mantra. This is not three steps to success in your life. As we've experienced this week, there is loss in life. There is pain in life. There is disappointment in life. We live in a broken planet corrupted by sin. However, God is still able to do the impossible and he wants you to have the impossible. But here's the problem that I have. I live in this tension. I don't know about you. I believe the book, All the Impossibles, but I haven't received my impossible yet. I've seen somebody else get an impossible, but I haven't received it yet. So I'm, I believe it, but I haven't got it. So I'm a little bit torn right now. I, 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 my heart says believe it, but my head says, what? Not me. I can't. I don't qualify. So there's this tension that we have. Have any of you prayed for something and not received it? Don't raise your hands because they'll all go up. Because at some stage in life, we've all prayed for something and received it. But in the Bible, I see Matthew 7, 7 says, it says, ask and you will receive. It says, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. And it's even more dogmatic. It goes on and says, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, it will be opened. Uh, I see it in the Bible, but I'm not experiencing that right now. I'm living in a tension. I see it there, but I haven't got it yet. And my brain is battling to justify these tensions that we live in. Mary had the same problem in her life. She's got a promise from the angel. You're going to have a baby. But she's also living in tension. She's got the promise. Emmanuel, God's son, is going to come and be birthed through me. What incredible promise. But she's living in tension. First of all, her fiancé wants to get rid of her and dump her. The village rejects her. She has to go and live with Elizabeth. And then on her due date, the government goes and declares a census. And she has to, on her due date, when in labor, go on a donkey all the way to Bethlehem. She gets to the inn, and there's no room in the inn. I would not be surprised if at all Mary stood up and said, Hey, God, this is your baby. Would you do something about it? I would not judge her. I would forgive her sins. She's living with attention. God, you promised something, but in the middle of the promise, sometimes these are mess. Does this sound familiar? Anyone? Or is it just me? You have a promise from the Lord, but you're living inside a mess. 
Maybe you're entering into a new phase in life. Something new. Maybe a new relationship. A new relationship? You can get a mess. Maybe new employment. And you're so unsettled. New job. is a mess. Maybe a new home. Two years in and you're still living in boxes. Am I right? Some of you can wave and say, yes, I, I, I know that feeling. You're living in a mess. Maybe your mess is you used to be a scholar and now you're a student in a university. Maybe you used to be employed, but now you're retired. And all of a sudden, everything's a mess. Inside of your impossible, inside of the miracle that you're expecting from God, it's not like it should be. Maybe you're just in a new season in life. Maybe like some of you at the back there, you've got kids. Life used to be perfect, and now you have kids. <laughs> you used to have something called a Saturday morning sleep-in. Not anymore, you don't. In fact, normally they get up extra early on Saturdays just to let you know it's the weekend. Hello, Dad. Maybe you're in a season where you have to look after elderly parents and you feel like life is a mess. Maybe it's just because we're living in unprecedented times, aren't we? Economic pressure like we've never felt before. Pandemics, wars, and even the environment around us is melting with heat. And maybe you feel like you're living inside a mess. <laughs> maybe if none of that applies to you, you just got a problem. You're sick. You've got no money. Your marriage is broken down. I want to tell you something. God can and still does the impossible. <laughs> you know the metamorphosis, the, uh, the little caterpillar sitting on a twig, munching on a leaf in the sunshine? You all know the story. He's so happy in his little world, but all of a sudden comes change. And he finds himself in a dark place. He finds himself in a hard place. He finds himself in a hungry place. And he even gets sick. His lovely little wrinkly hairy skin starts to fall off. He's not feeling too well. Mr. Caterpillar has no, absolutely no evidence, not at all, that change is even possible. He thinks it's over. That's the end. But can I say something? Change, hard place, cold place, hungry place, is actually the launching pad for the impossible. Your impossible is the launching place for God to do the possible. Sometimes our homes and our comforts limit us. I just want to go back to the old. I want to do it the way we used to do it years ago. Why do you want to plant a church? Why can't we just be happy, the five of us? All of us, let's hug each other. Why do we have to grow and go into all the world and preach the gospel and change people? Why do we have to do that? I'm happy with me. Stroke me. Love me. I'm all alone. There's nobody to love me. We have no evidence that God's going to come through for us on the other side. I love what Pastor Steve said. Pastor Steve, a couple of weeks ago, he was preaching and he came up. Well, this is what I heard him say. <laughs> I hope that's what you said. Because <laughs> this is what I heard. He said this, have a new perspective and see the potential. 
Mr. Worm, you're in a hard, cold, dark place. Change your perspective and see the potential of wings to fly. Mary is giving birth to a little baby. That little baby is so happy. It's in the tummy. Hey, it's got food on tap. Perfect climate control, 37 and a half degrees, never changes. In fact, every single night, mom sings it's a lullaby. Last time I was sitting in a coffee shop, there's mom rubbing it, giving it a love. There, there, dear. There, there, dear. <laughs> Everything's okay. Until change. All of a sudden, the little baby's world changes and goes upside down. All of a sudden, pressure like it's never experienced before will be squeezing in by an abusive mother. <laughs> love you, I love you. You're killing me! Help me! I'm sore. This isn't comfortable. Change is coming. Maybe you feel like you're in a squeeze right now. But I want to say it's a launching pad for something bigger. Have a new perspective and see the potential. The Apostle Paul, he was in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians. He says, a great and effective door has opened for us to plant more churches. And everyone's going, hoo-hoo, plant more churches. And then he says these words, but I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, because of our trouble that came upon us in Asia. What trouble are you talking about, Paul? An effective door is open. Miracle, impossible, great things for God. Hallelujah. He says, trouble came upon us. You know what trouble listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? Five times he was whipped with 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he was stoned. He spent a night and a day in the sea. He was weariness and in toil. He sleeplessness. He went with hunger and without and thirst. He was even naked. Thank goodness we don't have a record in detail about that one. And lastly, he adds, and just by the way, I still had to look after the pressures of all the churches. I love the fact that he puts the churches with shipwrecking and with beatings and stuff. Paul, I feel you. I feel you. I feel your pain. Effective door has opened, but at the same time, it's an effective door. This hardship, trouble. Listen to this. The word trouble in the Greek is a word called thlipsis. Do you know what it represented when in the Greek culture, in torture, they used to tie, take a guy and tie him in like a star shape, his legs and his hands apart, and they would lower a massive boulder, tons boulder, huge, and slowly, millimeter by millimeter, lower it till it sat on his chest. And then they would drop it one more millimeter. <laughs> you can't breathe. And, and drop it again. And drop it again. Till you can't breathe. And finally you hear a, a rib crack and bah! And finally suffocate you and kill you, whereas the stone is totally crushing you with slow and painful death. That is the word that Paul chose to use to describe the problems that some of you are going through. But in the Bible, that word is often used with mental pressure and trouble that we face. Not necessarily only physical. Some of you guys are going through trauma in your head, mental attack like you've never experienced. Just this week, we've had what, you mentioned, four or five deaths, not to mention our queen. 
And you think, how much more is going to happen to me in my life in this next week, in the next couple of days? It talks about trouble. But Paul, he gave a couple more adjectives. He says, beyond measure, unexpected, way beyond the normal, that means, unbelievable pressure. And then he goes and gives us some more adjectives, above strength. That word is hyper in the Greek. It's used by superheroes, like Superman. Pressure that is unbearable. No human could cope with it beyond me. Then he says again, despite even of life. That means nowhere out. I'm trapped. I'm pinned down. It's useless. It's hopeless. And lastly, he says, we even had the sentence of death in ourselves. Oh, the final verdict is in. We're not going to make it. The writing is on the wall. Goodbye, cruel world. That's the end of me. But I'm in the middle of an impossible. A great and effective door has opened to me. What? Does anyone sense the tension? I have a promise, but yet this is all unleashing on me. Do you feel it or not? Well, I'll have to carry on preaching because you don't feel it yet. So he carries on. He ends with these words. He says, what persecution I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Even in your hard place, even in your cold place, even in your squeeze. I'm telling you, the Lord can and will deliver you from them all. He says these words at the end of the verse. He says, we must not put our trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Somebody say impossible. You can't raise the dead. He's putting his trust in a God who can raise the dead. Impossible. And he then adds these three words. He says, who delivered us from so great a pressure, past tense, and who also will deliver, does deliver us, present tense, and in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Future tense. I don't care what you're going through. Past, present, or future. Put your trust in the impossible God. He can get you out of this. Have a new perspective in life. And see the potential. Bless God when we have those instantaneous impossible miracles. When someone pushes a letter through the post box and you open it up and... There's a Greg sausage roll. And you think, oh, bless the Lord. <laughs> Life is all good. Maybe it's a card with a check in it or some money in it. Maybe it's a letter, someone begging for forgiveness because they were so nasty to you or something. And you think, oh, thank you, Lord, you fixed it. But most times, our impossible situation is a metamorphosis. It's an engaging. See, when the mother's baby turned around and got squeezed, the, what's a medical term? The baby is now engaged. You're going through a hard time? <laughs> You're engaged. You're ready for your miracle. You might be in an improbable situation today. Impossible situation. You may feel like there's no way out. Like you're in a cocoon, dark, hard place. Maybe you're in a squeeze. No matter what your situation is, I want to tell you something today. God can change your story can end in restoration. As humans, we want the solution of our choosing. And don't say no, because I know you do, because I do. Hey God, can you do it for me this way? I would like that job in that position over there. I would like that girl over there, that one over there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Whew, that was close. <laughs> My goodness. That girl over there, I want her. <laughs> we tell God what we want. Is that right? If God can't do it my way, then it most probably is impossible. That's what we think. I want God to do it this way. I'd like my healing like this, my finances like this, my relationships like this. I want it this way. Is it even possible if it doesn't come that way? Well, Jeremiah the prophet, he was in a hard place. The children of Israel were living in sin, and he came and brought a prophetic word to them. And he said to them, if you don't repent, the enemy is going to come and get you. And you're going to lose out on God's protection. And uh, they refused. In fact, the king was so mad at that prophetic word that he actually threw um, Jeremiah in jail. Sure enough, the armies came, surrounded Jerusalem, and uh, they were in big trouble. And here, Jeremiah is in jail. In a hard, cold, dark place. And in this situation right there, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Now, we think he would say, nope. And right the next verse, straight after this, it's going to say, and Jeremiah was supernaturally transported out. And Jeremiah suddenly had no problems ever again. It doesn't say that. The next chapter, in chapter 33, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, while he was still shut up in a dark, cold, hard place. And he says, Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I was looking at that last portion, show you great and mighty things that you do not know in different translations in the Bible. One translation says, I will show you remarkable secrets. Another one says, I will show you unsearchable things. And the third one says, I will show you incomprehensible things. I would like to make this statement. God is not limited by known solutions. You think you've got it all figured out? I'm telling you, he's got a thousand ways in which he can provide for you financially. He's got another thousand ways that he could heal you. And our little brains think we can figure God out. He is not limited by known solutions. Somebody say amen. amen. Joshua is leading the children of Israel out of, well, Moses took them out of Egypt through the wilderness, and now they're standing on the banks of the Jordan, about to go into the promised land. In the wilderness, they had food provided by God, quail, manna. They, their clothes never wore out, so they, they had no needs. They were, it was good. They go across now into the impossible, into God's plan and promise for them, and all of a sudden, the food stops, and I have to start working. What? In God's solution, I'm now having to toil and work. I used to have a cloud for protection to cover me by day and a fire to keep me warm by night. Uh, all of a sudden now, I've got to get a coat on because I'm cold because that's stopped. 
And now I come into this new land and I've got an enemy to face. And it's not just a normal enemy. It happens to be a giant. Hello. And the city that I'm told I could have is walled. That's so thick that chariots can ride on top. Come on, God, give me a break. We're in a pandemic. It's hard enough as it is. Could I have a break with something? A little bit of favor would help. I know you've prayed that prayer because I have. And you feel like, come on. He's, there's a tension that even Joshua is experiencing right there. But God uses an unknown solution. He uses a prostitute. <laughs> no. Prostitute. We don't do that, God. You, 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 you like embracing the thing we're supposed to shun from. How many of you would choose a prostitute? Don't raise your hands. Don't. <laughs> wrong question, wrong question, wrong question. I shouldn't have asked that. It's not the solution that we would have chosen. Walk around the walls. What are you, daft? What's that going to do? Shout at the stones. Yet in that, God works the impossible. Oh, what is God asking you to do? God, that's stupid. I can't do that. He's going to work the impossible. Would you trust him? Put your trust in him. Gideon, another one, facing the Midianites. They're literally hundreds of thousands of enemy, and he's got 32,000. And God uses an unknown solution. says, Gideon, too many. Reduce the numbers. 32,000, far too many. 300 will do nicely. Is there another God around here that I could talk to, please? We need a big army. We need more people. Could I get some allies? Could I get a strategy together, please? What's the plan? Oh, your plan God gives us is what? Grab a trumpet and a torch and a bowl. Oh, please. And you guys call us Christians and I want to be like you? What? Are you crazy? But I'm telling you, in that craziness, in the unknown solution, God Almighty can do the impossible. What is God asking you to do that is so crazy? He can use unknown solutions to you. Do you know that that problem that Joshua faced with those walls around that kept him out actually was part of the solution? It was actually an ambush. The enemy couldn't get out either. Where were they going to go? They were trapped inside with the Israelites all around. Could I suggest to you that God actually used the problem to create the solution? Wow. Well, look at this. Paul, the apostle, he's heading to Rome and he encounters a problem, a storm, a two-week-long storm like they've never seen before. And the ship is creaking. It's about to break up. So let's have a look. Let's go and see if we can find the solution that God has used before. Uh, I seem to remember that Jesus walked on the water. Did Paul walk on the water? No. Hang on. Hang on I got it. Uh, Jesus slept on a pillow in the storm. Did Paul sleep on a pillow in the storm? No. Uh, I seem to remember, oh, Jesus, he spoke to the storm and said, be still, be quiet. Did Paul get up and say, be quiet, be still? 
No. Uh, maybe. Oh, I remember one. Uh, Philip, he was tr- supernaturally transported when talking to the eunuch. All the way from there, something like 30 miles or something. Instantaneously, teleported. Pow, beam me up, Scotty. Beam me down. Bang. Done. Did Paul get beamed up to the Isle of Malta? No. God says, hey, I've got a better plan. I've got a unique situation, Paul. It's a great solution. Let's have a shipwreck. I beg yours. All of those situations with Jesus were written already. He knew about them. But God chose a unique, unknown solution. And in his solution, the impossible happens. The entire island come to know Jesus. And no one lost their life. He gets bit by a snake and the snake just falls off. Doesn't even harm him, the poison. God can use our problems. He can use the impossible situation that you're in to create the possible. The situation you're facing, the challenge that you're facing, he can use that. Joseph, young man, his brothers get angry, grab him, throw him in a pit, then decide, no, I've got a better solution. Let's sell him for some money and we'll sell him into slavery. He then goes into Potter's house as a slave and he serves there. And then he gets falsely accused and he gets thrown into prison. And finally, at the end of the story, he gets promoted to prime minister. For 13 years, Joseph was in slavery or in jail. 13 years. But ultimately, God's plans and purposes came through. You might have been in this jam, in this hard place, in the squeeze for a while now. I'm telling you, God's going to come through for you. In fact, when Joseph was faced with his brothers, he said these incredible words. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. God took the problem to create the solution. He used the baker and the the, uh, uh, butler, those situations in jail, to create the solution so he could land up in Pharaoh's court. He can turn around your problem and make a solution out of it. Now I need to stop here. I want to pause. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I want to make it very, very clear. God does not send sickness or the disease. God does not send the problem. We live in a broken world. I've got two verses for you. Write these down and put them on your fridge. Put them in your car. Put them on your mirror. Put them all over. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And the second one is the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Just have a look at your problem that you're in. Is it good or is it bad? If it is bad, it's the devil. It's not God sending that sickness to kill you or to teach you a lesson. Don't you ever come to me and say, God is teaching me something with this cancer. I'll slap it out of you. (laughs) I tell you, that makes my blood boil. Because it's the enemy. It's part of the curse. 
But Jesus came to set us free. He can change that and turn that situation for good. Wayne, are you sure about that? Well, let's have a look at the last couple of examples in the Bible. Paul was shipwrecked. I told you about that. But did you notice, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and God used, or Jesus used the kiss of a traitor for salvation's plan. God used a whale of a situation to refocus Jonah. The Jews and Mordecai and Esther faced the gallows, but God turned that situation, and Haman, the baddie, he died on his very own gallows. The problem became the solution. Daniel faced a lion's den. But then the king Darius turns around and says, we will only serve the God of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar decided to worship the one and true living God because three boys were prepared to burn. Trust me, they were in a hot place, squeezed in a jam. But they refused to bow. 5,000 people were fed because one little boy was prepared to go hungry with no lunch. You and I face a rapture because of an antichrist. Don't pray against the antichrist. But that's our way out. God can turn that situation around and turn it for good. I'm going to fly. Mary and Martha, they saw the glory of God because Jesus showed up late and Lazarus died. And he turned that situation around for good. You might be in an impossible situation, improbable situation. You might feel like there's no way out. You might even think that your situation is dead and buried. Over, could over. That's the end. You may feel like you're in a squeeze, upside down, like you're in a cocoon, hard, dark, cold place. Brilliant! That's so good because that's your launching pad for the impossible. Get excited. Woohoo! Things can't get any worse than this. There's only one way, and that's up. My God is going to come through for me. Change your perspective. The Bible says that all things will work together for good. Change that perspective that you have there. God can use your impossible situation to create the possible. Just to prove it to you, Romans 8 says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purposes. Let me summarize my sermon today. I'll put on one slide for you. Have a new perspective and see the potential because your God is not limited by known solutions. And he can change and take your problem and create the impossible with it. Because with our God, the impossible is possible. If you're in this hard place, get excited. You're improbable, impossible, I trust the God of the impossible. No way out for you, <laughs> I trust the God of the impossible. The situation is dead and buried, I trust the God of the impossible. You're in a squeeze, I trust the God of the impossible. You're in a dark, hard place, cocoon phase, I trust the God of the impossible. Yes, I don't understand it. Yes, I can't explain it. I don't have to, because I've got the God of the impossible. God bless you.
Ask the band to come up. You got a choice this morning. <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> this is a hard place. I know. Got it. I got it. Join the club. These are hundred other people in the building too. Got it. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to get on your case. Please don't. Don't take me wrong. But we serve the God of the impossible. Paul and Silas were in a hard place. And they started to praise the Lord. And they started to put praise and worship on their lips and said, in this hard place, I choose to trust him because he is the God of the impossible. Switch your brain off and start to believe with your heart. You can't always understand everything. This is a sick world. It is a hard world. There is loss. There is pain. There is suffering. But I still believe the God of the impossible. And he will do it for me. Come on, let's stand as we worship the Lord.